The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. I'm Allison Langer. I'm Zaire. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to season 12 and welcome to all our new listeners and our loyal listeners. Today, we're starting a 10 part series inspired by the people I taught memoir writing in a men's prison. We put out a call for stories from people currently serving time or anyone who was formerly incarcerated. Up until I began teaching memoir in prison, I knew very little about people who are or have been incarcerated, their lives, their experiences, really anything. And I know I'm not alone here. Working with incarcerated men profoundly changed me in ways I am still processing. Throughout this series, we want to share with you some of the stories from the men inside who sent in their essays. You'll also hear stories from some of my former students, so you get to know these people how I did. This is our own small way of crossing over the prison wall. And to help us get this right, we have Zaire. Zaire, will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I am Zaire. I am a South Floridian poet, singer, songwriter, actor, and teacher in some respects. I have a good amount of experience working with kids and teaching teaching them um, writing and different literary devices and how to convey their own stories. I worked for about three and a half years in the foster care system, trying to help prevent some of the worst-case scenario systems that we eventually see. Zaire will be contributing his feedback and commentary throughout the series as co-host along with Andrea and me. And Zaire's music will also appear throughout (laughs) the series. Yay, thanks. Thanks for being here, Zaire. Thank you for having me. I want to say something before we continue. We want to be respectful of those who have been personally affected by violence. So we don't mean to sensationalize crime or someone who breaks the law. Instead, we want to share stories. We do want to question the whole U.S. criminal justice system because we think it's not working. We also think our criminal justice system unfairly targets people of color and people who are financially disenfranchised. We begin our series with a story Allison wrote. It's a story about change a change in the way she sees the justice system and the way she sees the people caught up in the justice system. So before I read my story, I do have a confession. I used to think the people, all the people in prison were criminals and that they deserve to go to jail. But I will tell you, after getting to know many of the guys in prison, I realized, A, that was not correct. And B, I realize we share a lot of similarities. I've lied, I've cheated. I stole socks from a little boutique and a jacket from a department store. And I never thought about the consequences. I was 16, which is basically how old many of the guys I taught were when they made their first poor or desperate decision. 
it didn't occur to me that consequences are not always the same for everyone. You're not comparing stealing a jacket to some of the things other these guys did, are you? Like, what are you saying? Well, I mean, I didn't show up with a gun. I mean, I didn't show up. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't do that. But I don't know what would have happened had I been caught and thrown into the system. So I cannot know what would have happened had I been treated differently. Okay. So after teaching in prison and getting to know these students, I can see how like judgment like mine leads to very close-mindedness, separation, dehumanization, and injustice. So by sharing the stories with my students, my own stories, that's how I learned that we're, we're more alike than different. Oh, what do you mean your own stories? By sharing my own stories? Oh, when we were in class, I shared my stories when they shared theirs. theirs. So you wrote with them and you guys went around the way we do in writing class and you, you were one of the students too. Okay, cool. So you facilitated the way we facilitate at writing class radio. That's awesome. I get it. Zaire, can you give us like any insight into what it was like for you at Juvie? One of the most important um, things I noticed from teaching in traditional settings in high schools and middle schools and elementary schools and such, and then teaching in the juvenile detention centers and the group home that I was working at was the, the contrast in commitment to it. Because in those settings, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of um, apathy because they notice. I know you were speaking a little bit, Allison, about not noticing it first or not realizing that some people may not receive the same consequences as you do. Believe me, they notice the kids that are receiving those consequences. They know that someone else that doesn't look like them could, could have done the same thing and it would have turned out differently for them. They already feel like everything is working against them. So when someone like me comes in and says, hey, let's write a story or let's write a poem, they're not into it because they're like, what's the point? You know, why Why do I have to sit here and, and do this? Because someone else is just going to come up and see what I look like and and try and put me back in a box again. It's painful. It's painful even like on this end where I'm apparently not affected. All these years, I haven't really thought twice about it. And this is what I'm saying now that I know their stories and I know this feeling that they have. I feel hated, but they don't seem to hate me because now they know me too. And so that's why we feel like sharing stories really does bring people back together. I mean, it's never going to change the way people that are who are mistreated by the justice system feel about the justice system. But hopefully it will change how the human beings involved in the justice system handle and, and deal with one another and treat one another. And that that is really our prime goal here. Our hope is that you will see in the men and women what we have come to see, intelligent, motivated, kind human beings who made a mistake. Sometimes a very big, huge, awful mistake. Some of them had very difficult choices in life and got tangled up in a flawed system. Some have been misjudged and wrongly convicted, but these men are not their crimes. Our hope extends to those who are victims of violent crimes. We hope that these stories will help you too. We hope that hearing some of these stories will bring some relief. Absolutely. Airing these stories is in no way meant to take anything away from the victims of violent crimes. While I've been getting to know the guys who made the mistakes, I've been making excuses for them, like pulling for them without considering how their victims must have felt and still feel. So yes, we want to air their stories and yes, we want them to be heard. But like we said, our hope is that hearing the stories help victims hurt less. 
We'll be back with Allison's story after the break. We're back. You're listening to Writing Class Radio. This is Andrea, and up next is a story from our own host, Allison Langer. Allison taught writing classes in prison. Just a note here, her students gave us permission to air this story and all the stories you're about to experience in this series. Teaching memoir writing in a men's prison changed my life. I'd been teaching memoir writing in prison for a year when Tutal joined the class. He's 6'4", but it's not his height I noticed immediately. I noticed his eyes, which were full of disappointment and distrust, and his demeanor, more stoic than the other guys, who seemed like babies in comparison. I didn't think too much of it. I'd earn his trust. The entire first semester, Tutal never spoke in class, and he left the room when it was his turn to share what he had written. One day at the end of the semester, he showed me what he'd written, a whole page of dots and dashes instead of words. That's interesting, I said, but I didn't push. I was surprised when he signed up for my class again. In the third class that second semester, Tutal didn't leave when it was time to share. He picked up his paper and stared at it. He took a deep breath and spoke. My name is Clifton K. Jones. I'm a 41-year-old black man from Bradenton, Florida. His piece read like a legal brief, but was also vulnerable because Tutal shared the worst things he'd ever done. Robbery with a firearm, kidnapping, nobody harmed, first offense, declined a plea of 11 years, sentenced to life. I'm a white woman who grew up in an upper middle class suburb of Miami. I didn't know anyone who'd gone to prison. I hate to admit this, but I hadn't thought much about the criminal justice system before I volunteered to teach. I'd always assumed the men who were sentenced to life in prison had done something heinous, that most had been rightly convicted for breaking the law. Tutal's charges were serious. He'd kidnap somebody. But life? Every semester after class, I visited the website for the Florida Department of Corrections and searched each student by his Department of Corrections number. I knew who was sentenced for robbery with firearm, possession with intent to sell, murder. Tutal was not serving time for murder, and yet he still had a life sentence? This was his breakout story. Everyone in writing class has one. The story that's been bottled up inside waiting for release. I've observed this pattern over the 10 years I've taken and taught memoir classes. This one story opens the door for every other story a student needs to tell. It's the hardest one to reveal because it's usually the one that caused a major life change. It's the moment a teacher knows she's earned a student's trust. After his story, I looked at Tutal differently. He told the truth about an 18-year-old kid who'd held up a KFC with an unloaded gun. It was his birthday. He and his friends wanted a couple thousand dollars to party with. His friend worked there. They had a plan. Tutal had revealed his ugly, so I trusted him. The same week Tutal began to share in class, he also began to give feedback. A guy named Bama read a prompt response. Bama didn't take well to feedback and ended every story with, Roll Tad. Tutal said, there's a lot of smack talk, but no scene. I'd like to see a real example of this guy being a great football player. And what's with the Roll Tide at the end of everything? Bama said, that feedback is bullshit. Man, please. Tutal said as he stood up, shook his head, and walked out of the class. I felt uncomfortable, not just because there was conflict and I was alone in prison with 15 men, 
but because I know how it feels when you're being vulnerable and someone is not. I had a feeling Tutal was upset that Bama was throwing out pep rally cries while he was revealing very personal details about his life. The following week, Bama didn't show. When I asked about him, nobody spoke. All eyes were focused on papers, the desk, the floor. Then Tutal said in his quiet voice, kid won't be coming back to class. What happened? Another guy said, he messed with the wrong people. You don't do that here. I said, because of last week? Tutal said, he's like that everywhere. As the semester went on, Tutal read more personal writing about his life growing up with a dad and uncle in and out of prison and school basketball ups and downs. One of his stories was about wanting to leave a legacy, something that lived on after he was dead. God, you're only 41, I thought, but said nothing. I could teach them to write about their life, but I couldn't help them get free to live it. When Tutal read, the other guys paid attention. As Tutal got more personal, so did everyone else. During feedback, Tutal often said the words I was thinking, more seen, less proselytizing. He brought up points I hadn't even considered. Let's see the people around you, the clothes you're wearing, what you ate for dinner, paint the picture. I began deferring to him. Tutal's writing came out with clarity I envied. When he wrote a story about his mom's death that was so heartbreaking and well-written, we discussed submitting it for publication. His shoulders lifted, and I think I saw something that looked like hope as he considered this opportunity to leave a legacy. As Tutal walked me out that day, he was no longer a fascination. He felt like a fellow writing friend. The kidnapping charge he mentioned in his breakout essay was still bothering me. He just didn't seem like a guy who could do that. I know asking about their crimes is dehumanizing, but as a writing teacher, I felt the explanation of the kidnapping needed to be in his essay. So I said, I was wondering, how do you kidnap someone? How exactly does that go down? He laughed and shook his head. It's not like that. That guy was a snitch. We just put him in the trunk and drove him out a ways. It was just meant to teach him a lesson. The following week, Tutal was not in class. He got caught with an illegal cell phone and sent to solitary confinement. The guys told me he would be in for 30 days and then possibly transferred to a different facility. I cried right there in front of the class. Tutal had become someone I looked forward to seeing each week, someone I admired. Losing one student to solitary confinement, especially Tutal, was heartbreaking. He broke the rules, but the punishment seemed excessive and unjust. Actually, the rule is just seems stupid. On the drive home that day, I felt crushed and more useless than ever. There had to be something more I could do to help. I thought about Chris Wilson, who wrote the master plan when he got out of prison to prove that people can change with education and support. I thought about Michelle Alexander, who wrote The New Jim Crow, which shows how mass incarceration is just a new form of discrimination. And I thought about Ava DuVernay, who produced 13th, a documentary revealing a broken system that requires more than simple reform. Not that I was ranking myself with those amazing people, but I wanted to do something more to bring about change. What could I do? I typed up Tutal's essay and stuck a sticky note on the front with the address for the publication Modern Loss, which I thought was a perfect venue for Tutal's story. The following week, I handed it to one of Tutal's friends who said he could get it to Tutal once he was out of confinement. Weeks went by, and at last, Tutal walked into the class. I screamed and jumped out of my seat. Teachers are not allowed to hug their students, so I shook his hand, holding on tight. As I reveled in his gap-toothed smile, 
We've missed you, I said, and he nodded. He said, I sent my essay to Modern Loss. Thank you. On the way out, Tutal handed me a note. It said, my only regret is missing class, my only ray of genuine light that I look forward to at the end of the week. Just the presence of class gave me a feeling beyond hope. It's been three and a half years since I walked into prison. I look forward to seeing all the guys. I no longer see them as random criminals. I don't look up their crimes anymore. I know their stories or part of them. I've heard how their years in prison have changed them. Hearing those stories have changed me. I'm not a psychologist and I don't have a fancy MFA. I'm a writer who thought teaching inmates sounded exciting and maybe even a little dangerous. I had no idea connecting with my students in prison would be my only ray of genuine light that I looked forward to at the end of the week. Not long after Tutal returned to class, I received an email from Modern Loss. Tutal's story was accepted for publication. It's not enough, but it's something. So I see this confident teacher coming into a classroom where she is sure she's going to earn this student's trust. She describes Tutal really well. He is more stoic compared to the other guys who are like, seem really lively. He's writing dots and dashes only, but she just like takes it in stride. Like, oh, that's interesting. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to earn his trust. And there were a few other places where I thought she was really confident like that. One thing that I thought of this time is, um, so I really trust her as a writing teacher. So she says that she's been teaching and taking writing classes for 10 years And she knows that every student has a breakout story. I kind of wanted to hear hers. I wanted to hear, and I think that would have worked in a longer piece. Like if she had talked about the first time she wrote her breakout story, one, it would have shown us her vulnerability and it would have also proved that she really knows what a writing class is like. Though I still believe her. I mean, maybe because I know her, but Zaire, did you believe her? Did you believe that she, that here's a narrator who really knows what she's talking about in terms of being a writing teacher? Um, I, I did. If for no other reasons than simply for the fact that I could hear it in her voice, it's sort of like as she was reading it, she was reliving it in each moment when, um, you know, she was talking about how she got excited when Tutal walked into the class, like she was getting excited in that moment as she was saying it. So it was definitely believable. It's definitely something that I would like to hear more about for sure. But I love that comment because, yes, it was in her actual physical voice, this confidence, this like, I love this. Another thing that I think I wanted, we do see a change in this narrator. Like she walks in, she admits She's a white woman who hadn't thought much about what it would be like to teach in prison. And I actually really admire and like that honesty. And I want to ask you also, Zaire, if if you did or were you just like, oh, Jesus? No, I definitely appreciate the honesty, especially because um, it's something that I notice a lot, not just in this and going into these spaces and teaching, but just in general, I've noticed that Um, As a society, things that sort of seem a little dangerous are exciting to us. And we we tend to 
want to invest our time in those things and put ourselves in those situations because it's like a thrill to us. But then we we lose sight of the fact that other people's lives are involved and other people's experiences are involved. And that's where the growth comes from us is we we enter in with this mindset of, okay, I'm going to go into something something cool and dangerous. And then we get hit with all of the truth of it. Um, and then we start to grow and learn from these people that we were coming in to teach and they ended up teaching us. Oh my God, that's so interesting. I never thought of that. Like how that rings true. That 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 little bit of danger thing. Oh, that's so cool. I love how you heard it like that. I did hear this story this time as a story of this narrator wants to leave a legacy. I wanted to see that change a little bit more. I don't know where, but that was the, I, I see it. Like she goes in, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. This is going to be fun. This is dangerous. And then like, wait a second. I want to do more. And maybe that's what the whole part about, um, I liked how she was like, I don't want to to um, compare myself with these brilliant people, but damn, I wish I could do more. And then she she gets too tall to submit his story, which in this moment in the story, we think is getting published. So um, she has succeeded in a small way of helping this narrator, I mean, helping her student leave a legacy. I want to ask you about this line, Zaire. Um, I could teach them to write about life, but not live it. How did that hit you? That's, that's something that's interesting. So a lot of the time, so I would say something similar to my students. Whenever I do a workshop or a class, I always open up with why I write. And the reason being is something that I'll get into at a later date, probably. No, tell us. Okay, so I started writing um, in high school. I actually have a writing disability. It's, it's very difficult for me to sit down and write. Also reading as well. But it's always, I've always liked to get things off my chest, just not in a public fashion. And I had a friend who was going through a rough time in high school. and I ended up writing a song for them. And it was the first time that I had sat down and written for someone else. And I, and I did it for them and, and it, they said it helped. And they encouraged me to tweak it. And I ended up doing that and turning it into a poem and entering a poetry contest a week later. From that, getting submitted to another one and just sort of all of these things just building on, on top of each other. And it made me feel like this thing that was hurtful to me out of all the times that I tried to write and been called stupid and been called slow and all of these things. Now it was something that I was learning from and, and, and sort of getting recognition for. So it's something that lifted me out of this state of depression that I was in. And the reason I, I open with why I write is because the state that I was in is, in a lot of cases, it's, this, it's where those kids are. It's, you know, may not be exactly the same situation. They might not have a writing disability. They might, they might not, you know, be going through the changes of um, living in a country that's foreign to them, but they have their own challenges. That is the reason why it's important to to delve into why you want to do this or why it's important to do it. Because getting those things out is what helps us to move past them and evolve past those things. I, Allison, I want you to come out of the dome and talk about and tell Zaire why you started to write. It's there in episode one, 
but um, I think it's worth repeating a little bit. And also, I also just want to say about me that I also feel and have felt stupid and slow. And writing is one place where, uh, I don't know, somehow I can kind of get past it. Absolutely. I started writing as a kid too, just to process what I was going through. I think everyone going through life in general feels sort of like an outcast and they don't know how they fit in and they are struggling. I mean, I see it with my own kids as perfect as I think they have and as blessed. They, everybody's struggling with something. And this sense of expression, I've seen help them. And it's, it helped me from the time I was a kid, just diary, diary, diary. But, but I, I also was scared to show anybody that scared child inside. But when my daughter died, tragically, at 16 months, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I had heard Andrea's class, she was teaching a writing class at Miami-Dade, advertised. And I was like, oh, you know, I've been trying to write. My friends were like, ugh, you need a writing class. You know, like it wasn't coming out palatable. It was just a rant or it was not detailed enough or whatever it was, it needed help. So I got into this class and I, I got into the class to learn how to write. But what it ended up doing is it taught me how to open up because I was in a group setting, much like going into these classes in prison. And once the first person opens up, then you realize like you're dying to get it out too. And everyone starts being vulnerable and sharing. There's just something about being in a group of writers or group of people trying to work out their stuff. So I can sit home all day and write, write, write and try to work out my shit. But somehow being in a class together is what made me feel better. So going into prison and working with these guys, I could see it in their eyes too. They got this sense of, they felt like they could get things off their chest. And then for, the, for once in their life, somebody was telling them like, man, what you're writing is good. It, this needs to be out into the world. And I, this, their confidence just exploded. And it's just made such a huge difference in me watching it and seeing it and getting to be a part of it. Um, and I, and I wonder, Andrea, like you sat there and you watched me tell my first story. I mean, how did it feel to, and you've watched a lot of people tell their first story. So how does that feel for you? Well, we've watched people together in the last 10 years tell their stories and it's freaking awesome. It's so important. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to compare myself with those amazing people that you mentioned, but right now when you're talking, I feel like you are like, what's her name? Um, Ava DuVernay. Yeah, because you're because you are doing your part in and really changing these guys' lives. Writing class changes people's lives. It really does. It's changed my life. It's watching people bust through. I mean, God. I'd like to add to that a little. It is incredibly important that first time that you hear someone tell you that you've done a good job especially when it's something that you're uncomfortable with or something that's unfamiliar to you. I, I remember distinctly the first time I heard that anything I had written was good. I was in my English class in, in eighth grade and I was not writing essays because I was scared to write because I didn't want to be called stupid. And my English teacher forced me to be a part of the journalism team and I had to write newsletters each week. And Every week, she'd come in and she'd read it. She's like, this is really good. 
And that was not something that I had heard before. And it's something that sticks with you when, when someone tells you finally that you've done a good job with something. It's incredible. Were you also writing in eighth grade really personal stuff or, or was it just about the quality that you were like, oh my God, someone thinks my writing is good? Because that's the thing about writing. It's both so personal and then it's also you're putting yourself out there like judge my ability. Ah! Yeah, so the comfortability with writing came in stages. So at first I, I, was, I had to write for the, for the school newsletter. So that was, that was all I did. And then that opened me up to, you know, be able to write a little bit more in class. And that was it. The personal stuff didn't come till way later. Even after I'd started writing poetry, it didn't come till about a year after that when um, two of my mentors sat me down after a poetry slam and they were like, yo, you need to do better. You're not talking about anything. You're just talking. And I was like, all right. And then that night I went home and I wrote a piece about my dad and had to rewrite it because I cried all over the papers. <laughs> Aw, that's like me. I wrote about my dog. Your journey yeah. was exactly like Allison's. I was like, wow, wait, this is a good writer because she was really good. But I was like, but you're not writing about anything. You're just writing. I was writing about my dog. Everything was about my dog. She's like, the prompt was love. I wrote about my dog. The prompt was lost. Dog, 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 dog. She's like, what in the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I knew she was hiding something. Or I knew she had something she needed to say that she wasn't saying. And that's what I've seen a million times. And that's what your mentors saw. I, I can't wait. Will you submit a story for us, Zaire? I mean, I have most of them memorized. If you want me to do one, I could. <laughs> Oh my God, I want us to do an episode, yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. At the minute that this story was written, so when Allison wrote this story, we thought that Modern Loss actually was going to, which is a publication, was going to publish Too Tall Story. And then we found out that Modern Loss, as publications do, they killed the story. And that was another reason why we decided to get this prison series underway, because the next episode, we will hear a story from Tutal, a version of the story that he submitted to Modern Loss. You'll also meet the author of The Master Plan, Chris Wilson, who served 16 years in prison and is even more successful now than what he mapped out in The Master Plan. And he mapped that out while he was in prison. He returned to society with the goal of not just being personally successful, but in helping other returning citizens. He's such a cool guy. And we talked to him and I, I'm excited for everyone to hear what he has to say. Thank you, Allison, for telling your story. I actually think you should work your story more, bring in your own story, punch it up, make it longer and then sent it out to publications. Uh, I know you're um, sick of trying to get yourself published, but I think you can do it. I'm not sick of trying to get myself published. I'm sick of getting rejected. <laughs> yeah, I need a break. Take a break. Writing Class Radio is produced by Allison Langer, me, Andrea Askowitz, Zaire, and Matt Kundal, Evan Serminski, and Courtney Fox at the Sound Off Media Company. Music by Marnino Toussaint and Zaire. 
There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, essays to study, and editing resources. If you love the lessons you get on each episode, you can get them all in one place, our three-part video series for just $50. Click video classes on our website. If you want to be a part of the movement that helps people better understand each other through storytelling, follow us on Patreon. For $10 a month, I, Andrea Askowitz, will answer all your publishing questions. For $25 a month, you can join Allison's First Draft Weekly Writers Group. First Draft meets every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern. Go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday, so listen for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.